Hello, and welcome to Midweek in the Word podcast, brought to you by Faith Bible in Lincoln, Nebraska. Every week, we strive to become better readers, hearers, and doers of God's Word. Look for us every Wednesday where you stream your podcasts. Here's our host, Faith Bible's Adult Ministries pastor, Brad Myers. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Midweek in the Word. We want to provide a brief notice of what you'll see over the coming weeks here on the podcast. We're going to be breaking from our Bearing Witness series over the summer and into the fall in order to highlight some of our best past episodes. So as you're listening, you will notice there's a bit of a reference gap. We'll note things that don't quite line up with the timeline. But Lord willing, uh, we'll be back with new content in September. We hope you enjoy these episodes. All right, well, Tom, let's let's start diving in here a bit. Right. We've got our second category of the new <laughs> series. Um, probably it's a familiar topic to most of our listeners, the doctrine of the Trinity, the Godhead, the three-in-one. Um, and it's an interesting subject to dive into here a little bit, because as you and I both know, the doctrine, the word yeah. Trinity, doesn't actually appear in the Bible. That's right. Um, so before we get to our first question, let me just ask you first, uh, how do we teach about a doctrine, the Trinity, when that word isn't even in the Bible? Well, the theme runs from Genesis to Revelation, and the word is just used to put it in a category. It means triunity, or mm-hmm. the emphasis is on three. And for that reason, it's it's really a systematization of all that the Scripture has said about the Godhead, how he revealed himself. And so we do find that he reveals himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm. But uh, that's moving faster than you want to on the question. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get but there. But that's uh, why we talk about it is it, it, we just, it was given a label so that we could put it in a category for study. Hmm. I, I find myself, maybe it's just an odd inquiry at this point, but I find myself wondering, are there, are there other subjects, doctrines in Scripture I, I know I, di- I didn't ask you that ahead of time, but yeah, I thought well, you're you're <laughs> me a curveball. I, are, are there any other things like this that we find in Scripture that we don't have actually found in the text? Well, you, you know, uh, depending on where you stand on dispensationalism and all that, but the whole theme of <laughs> yeah. the rapture, you know, that ah, one of the pushbacks on yeah. on the second coming of Jesus, and is it you know before after? Uh, so we've given it the label the rapture, and that's raised some questions. So again, it's there. There are yeah. theology summaries that we put labels on that we don't borrow from the text, but we add to. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Which doesn't mean that the doctrine isn't found in Scripture. That's right. Yeah. It just means we're trying to understand it. Yeah. Again, as we talked about the systematic approach of walking yes. through the Bible and trying to put these into human understandable yes. categories. Um, anyway, so that, I, I just had to ask that question. But let's let's actually move into here and where you were going <laughs> anyway. Let's start talking about this doctrine. What What is the biblical doctrine? What does the Bible say about the Trinity? Well, I, I think it, it, appropriately it, it boils down to three points. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so one, one is that God is three persons, that mm-hmm. each of those persons is fully God, and yet there is just one God. I, th- I think that summarizes best what the doctrine of the Trinity is. Mm-hmm. God is three person, each fully God, but yet there's only one God. Mm-hmm. And under, uh, introduce those, those three persons real quickly. What are we talking about there? Well, you've got God the Father— You've got God the Son, and you have God the Holy Spirit. Mm. Very good, and and help help me understand here a little bit. I, uh, this is this is maybe maybe a little off topic, but when when was this doctrine kind of squared away? Um, when did the church wrestle with this? Well, in some of the early councils, because yeah. there was a sense that perhaps God was one God. They held that, especially the Deuteronomy six, the Lord your God is one. 
but trying to explain how you have uh, the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, then you get to the New Testament, and Jesus says, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send another comforter. So trying to figure out, is it one God appearing in three different modes, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. is it is it three gods, or is it one God, three personalities? And so mm. the early councils battled with it. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, it's come up over time, but it was pretty much resolved you know, in the first few years of the church. Okay, okay. We'll we'll get into a little bit about the disagreements and the heresies involved there. Yeah. Um, but before we get to that, you're you're speaking obviously to the the texts, the different places yeah. in the Bible that early believers were wrestling with, because we kind of see these two images that they're trying to reconcile yeah. in their own minds. Take us to some of those passages. What would we find ourselves <laughs> looking at? Well, early on, you have, and the Spirit was hovering over the darkness Mm. of the earth. Mm -hmm. So Genesis 1 right away, and then uh, by the time you get to the after they've created all of uh, the natural creation, as we would call it, then it came to the special creation of humanity. And he said, let us, plural, make Mm. man singular in our plural image. And so right away, we're introduced to the plurality of God. And then later on, he says, and the spirit of the Lord will not continue to strive with mankind. So the book of Genesis, there are a number of times when you pick up, you've got the angel of the Lord appearing, mm-hmm. you've got the spirit of the Lord. Um, you know, I was, I was just looking at Psalm 139, you know, where can I run from your spirit? So mm-hmm. David addressed it again. So all through the Old Testament, when a, when a king was going to be established, anointed, and then the Spirit would come upon either a prophet or upon a king to accomplish a purpose. So there are little subtleties in the Old mm. Testament in particular. But you, really, to, to see the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you, you really don't see it with clarity till you get to the gospel yeah. of Matthew chapter 3. Mm. And in Matthew chapter 3, you have God the Son being baptized. You have mm. God the Father speaking as the voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son and with whom I am well pleased. And you have God the Holy Spirit descending visibly like a dove to anoint him and empower him, enable him for his ministry. Mm. And then at the end of his ministry, Jesus says, now I want you to go into all the world and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In between, especially John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus said, if I depart from you, it's better that I go, because if I go, I will send you another comforter. He has been with you. Now he will be in you. So you have the Son authoritatively sending the Spirit. He talks about his ministry, that he will convict the world of sin and righteousness so you've, you've got that. So you have this kind of unfolding revelation. And again, you, you, all of a sudden, you know, I'm going to the Father, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So you, you kind of see the Godhead chain of command and authority, mm. which is intriguing, study all its own. And then I was, I was looking earlier today in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12 when he talks about the spiritual gifts. And he talks about they are the same Spirit, the same Lord, and the same God. So even in the spiritual gifts of 1 Corinthians 12, you, mm. you have the, the three of the Godhead addressed there. So. Mm. 
Very good. So obviously, to what you're saying, in the, you know, in the Old <laughs> Testament, we don't have this fully orb theology quite yeah. figured out. The, we definitely get the one God theme. Yeah. You know, we even get some of these hints about kind of the different aspects. And then the New Testament really explains it fuller, yeah. which, again, isn't surprising. You know, Christ did that on a yeah. number of things, even like we were talking about this last Sunday. Okay, so we see this throughout the Bible. Um, okay, so now, now it gets a little tricky. Uh, what are the disagreements? Have there been disagreements about this doctrine over the course of church history? Well, like I said earlier, there, there were those who felt like that if there's one God, then he simply reveals himself in three different manners, three mm. different ways, mm-hmm. as father, perhaps in the Old Testament, as son in the Gospels, and then as the spirit in the book of Acts and the epistles. So mm. that sense of like it is not three personalities, but it's one. Mm. And then um, today, periodically, you'll find that there are those who embrace fully that God the Father, God the Son are fully God, but that the Spirit is less than. Mm. and uh, even Just a force or something like yeah, that. Yeah, some kind will. of a yeah. force, yeah. Or, or He is the enabling power yeah. of yeah. the absent. He is, he, is the, he is the Spirit of Christ, but He is not exactly the person of the Godhead. And uh, some, some of, uh, even back a few years ago, some of the, the major Christian music artists uh, turns out after a while you find out that that uh, you know a, a trio of men who did not believe in the deity of the Holy Spirit. So mm. I, I don't know that the deity of Christ as the Son and God as the Father in Orthodox arenas has gotten much debate of mm. late. But there's still periodically somebody will raise a question about the Holy Spirit. Is he mm. just a force or is he just a manifestation of Christ mm. or is he really the third person of the Godhead? Yeah, and obviously in a couple of weeks when we talk about God the Son specifically, we'll get the chance to talk a little bit about the, the hypostatic union and, and Christ being fully God and fully man, yeah. some of those early yeah. church debates on that subject specifically. But, okay, so basically what you're saying is a lot of the the heresies saying that God isn't three persons or saying that God, all three members of the Trinity aren't fully God, to say there isn't one God. All of these are really heretical stances that (laughs) seek to kind of pull one aspect of the Trinity, but don't fully understand all all three aspects. Is is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that's that's it. They they make one of the three lesser than, Mm. uh, rather than uh, all of the attributes that we would attribute to God the Father are also characteristic of the Holy Spirit. Mm. He's either all God or he's not God at all. Mm. And uh, so there are some who would want to take away some of that. And again, there's that that submission. The, the son says, I came to do the Father's will. Mm. And yeah. so then there's the, the Spirit is sent to do the will of the Father and the Son, and some would take that to mean that he's lesser than, mm. rather than they just haven't agreed upon. I mean, they're they're all eternally God mm. and all equal, and yet uh, functionally they they have an arrangement agreement yeah. as to the Father will make the call and the others will obey, yeah. as it were. Yeah, where that common language we get in creeds and things like that comes from trying yeah. to articulate that. I yeah. we, Where we, we read those sort of things, you know, where the Son and the Spirit submit to the yeah. Father and the Spirit submits to the Son and the Father <laughs> and, you know, the eternally begotten language, yeah. you know, that yeah. sort of thing we will talk about with the Son. Well, they're always trying to solve the mystery. Yeah, so you take right. the egg, you got the shell and the, the white and the yolk, and it's like, no, nah, that falls apart. You know, yeah. it's like a Humpty gets cracked and, and the, can't put him back together again. All of those, <laughs> all of those things that fail to fully define yeah. God yeah. correctly. Okay, so that's a little bit of what we've seen as far as, 
you know, heresies, things that have fallen outside of orthodoxy. Is is there any wiggle room within kind of historic understandings on the doctrine of Trinity, or is it pretty much set in stone? Well, I, I, I think it's it's pretty absolute. Yeah. Uh, now that that being said, uh, if there was one other heresy that came to mind, and part of my my personal history is there are those who seek to worship the Spirit. And, and there, that's always a tendency mm. that we want to worship the Spirit and make much of it. Uh, it's, the Spirit is never, I think, in the, in the Scriptures, worshipped apart from His relationship to the Father and the Son. Mm. And and so we need to be careful. And, and again, because of the Jesus movement of the 60s and 70s, yeah. we made much of the Spirit in that day almost— Almost to the exclusion of the Father and even the Son. So mm. just just being aware of that. But I think apart from that, it's it's pretty absolute that, yeah. that God is three, three equal persons. Can't explain it, but we believe that's what the Bible teaches. So we embrace it. Mm. So maybe, maybe that temptation to to not recognize equal the equal parts. You know, is, there's a little bit of some yeah. of us. Within orthodoxy, some of us, you know, we tend to be comfortable with God the Father and kind of minimize the other two. We're comfortable with Jesus yeah. and minimize. We're comfortable more. We're comfortable with the Spirit as opposed to His role in glorifying the Father and the Son. And so we kind of find ourselves teetering a little bit there, yeah. depending on how we put the emphasis. Well, and I, I think it was Francis Chan who wrote the book The Forgotten God. Yes, you yes. Know, that, that, that the Spirit, because of the role that He plays, it's almost as though we have ignored Him. And and yet in in the seventies, I, I can remember it's like we, we, evangelicals finally stood up and said, "Wait a minute, you know <laughs> the, the charismatic movement doesn't have an exclusion mm. on the Holy Spirit. You know, we yeah. we have the Holy Spirit as well." Yeah. But again, it was just a confusion of what's their role and how does it play. And more was made of one of the personalities of the Godhead than the other. So yeah, that that that, that tension's always there. And we need to be careful with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we, I, I, mean, I love, I love the song. I like to open our worship with "Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place." Mm-hmm. But you know, God the Father is also welcome, and we're here to exalt and honor <laughs> the Son. Right. So, if the Spirit actually does come and stir among us, it's not yeah. the Holy Spirit that will be mm. celebrated, but it'll be Christ who is exalted, and the Father, therefore, will be glorified. glorified. So, again, yeah. subtle tensions that are always before us. Yeah. Very, very good. Okay, well, let's let's move here a little bit from from the doctrine we understand. I mean, we've got this, you know, three in one aspect. That well, well, let me actually before before I move to this last question, I just I do want to ask here a little bit because you, you you brought up the idea of these illustrations we get with the egg, with the yeah. clover, all these things. Um, how how do you wrestle with the reality that the tension, the the, the mysticalness of this that we d- will never fully understand? What, what would your encouragement to people be on that subject? Well, I. I Again, let the Scripture speak with their authority. The Scripture doesn't go into great detail explain how it works, mm. but it makes it clear that it's true. Mm. And so, you know, don't try to force what can't be explained, mm. but accept that as you're going along. I mean, even I was reading in Isaiah this morning, and it says, and, and you have grieved the Spirit of God. So mm. accept the fact that just as the Father's heart can be broken— and the son's heart can be broken, so the Holy Spirit's heart can be broken, and and so just accept that. And you get in Ephesians, you know, don't don't quench the Spirit. Yeah. So so yeah. again, there's all that. Just let the Scripture speak to it. Don't try to force it into an explanation that will always fall apart, yeah. because God has kept it a mystery, 
and yet it's a mystery that he has revealed as truth. Mm. And it's part of what makes God divine and us not, yeah. right? That's right. The reality That's of that. Right. Very good. Okay, so well, we've got this doctrine, three persons, one God, all fully God. Um, most of our listeners, I expect, would pretty openly ascribe to that. They've probably been taught that before. That's not new knowledge. But how about how does this impact our lives? Why is this relevant for Christians in the way we live? Well, if you study the three personalities through the Scripture, the wonderful truth of the gospel is that we were chosen by the Father, that we were purchased by the Son, but we're indwelt and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So all three are actively involved in our salvation, both the initiation of it Mm -hmm. and also the perfection of it. Of it, so you, you mm. know, Paul would say in Galatians, if if we walk by the Spirit, we'll not fulfill fulfill the desires mm. of the flesh. Or he doesn't say the fruit of Jesus; he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. So the mm. practical application is that we are redeemed by the shared work of the triune God, mm. and uh, we're sustained by... I was, I was reading in First Peter 1, is by the foreknowledge of God the Father, it's the sanctification by the Holy Spirit for obedience to Christ. Christ. The practical thing is if I'm going to walk in obedience, Jesus said, those who love me, obey me. Mm. How am I going to do that? Well, it's the work of the Godhead, mm. and it's definitely the indwelling Holy Spirit. Well, and I love how many passages we see kind of that triune reality, the emphasis on Father, Son, and Spirit, yeah. um, the incredible, you know, and you, you even talk, you brought up the idea of sub, the, the, the mutual submission, you know, that, yeah. the, the, the Father or the Son submits to the Father, that stuff we talked about, that's a, a glorious picture, you know, which is one thing that I might even add to what you're saying that I've thought about as so significant because there, there is a tendency to think about God as in needing us, yeah. you know, that he needed yeah. something. That's why he created yeah. humanity. There was, you know, and there's that doctrine out there that's that's in error. Um, and the Trinity really gives us the counter argument to that, that that's God right. in perfect relationship, you know, that God has always been in community. He's always been yeah. in relationship. It's been perfectly harm, perfect harmony of relationship. Didn't need anything yeah. from humanity. Yeah, he did not create us because he was lonely. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that, that picture that we see, you know, that then becomes, you know, next week we're going to talk about God the Father and becomes kind of a paradigm for family relationships yep. And, yep. and some of the things we see in scripture is a cool reminder just that God was yep. totally sufficient in and of himself, didn't need anything, and yet still chose to create humanity, uh, which I find relevant too. That even the introduction to the, the plurality in, yeah. in Genesis 1, let us make man in our image. And he made yeah. them male and female. He, he made them plurality, yeah. but yeah. he didn't make them triune. Yeah. Again, we can't fully reflect the Godhead mm. because he, he reserved in the creation even the one component. So. Mm. But a good reminder, nonetheless... All right, listeners. Well, hopefully this is a familiar doctrine to you. Hopefully this is a relatively straightforward doctrine. It's funny because it's one of the simplest doctrines in the length of explanation, but one of the most difficult doctrines for us to understand uh, this reality that God is one. We see that especially in the Old Testament teaching, Um, (laughs) but he's also three persons in the one God, and each person of the Godhead is fully God. We see that in a number of places, though I love that you brought up that Matthew 3 aspect of Jesus' baptism. 
baptism Mm. as he started his ministry. Critical for understanding this. Uh, Remember, there are a little bit of room for disagreement on this subject as far as trying to the weight we put on all three of them, though all of us should strive for recognizing the equal weight of of the three members of the Trinity. Um, And do be watchful here on heresies. Be watchful for things that that press all the members of the Godhead into exactly the same or just turn the Godhead into different modes of one God. Uh, I was seeing something recently on that line again where it's it's coming up again, that idea that the Spirit is just a mode or a a, a manifestation of Jesus or a conversion of Jesus, and we see that sort of language. So listeners, be careful for that. Um, This doctrine of the Trinity has been... Uh, worked on for a lot of years, and it's held the test of time, and it accurately represents what Scripture teaches. And then keep in mind that it's critical for our lives to recognize what's going on here, even as it begins to form the the basis of relationship and family dynamics. And uh, this incredible reality of the of the Trinity that we have in Scripture uh, is a good reminder for us as well. Uh, any final thoughts on this subject, Tom, before we wrap it up? Well, I, I, I had a closer for you. <laughs> but as, as you're speaking, I say, the, the one thing I would say— thinking back to the 70s and the Jesus movement and all, is I would say, don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Mm. I mean, he can be trusted, and his voice can be obeyed, and he will never lead you outside the leather covers of your Bible. Mm. And so just to have a sense of confidence that, that, that he who indwells us. I just really think about Romans 8 as the yeah. great text on yeah. the Spirit. So live, don't live in fear. or And sometimes I, I would love in our worship services, as much as we plan forward and organize forward, sometimes the living Spirit in our presence mm-hmm. will lead us, guide us in certain ways. So, But I, my, my final word was from Second <laughs> Corinthians 13, 14. I thought it said best, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. Mm. I love that benediction. Amen. What a blessing that we get the chance to interact with all three persons of the Trinity through the work of Christ. Thanks for taking time to join us for Midweek in the Word. To hear previous podcast episodes, be sure to follow, like, and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. To learn more about Faith Bible Church, please visit our website at www.faithbiblelincoln.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Faith Bible Lincoln or tweet us at FBC Lincoln. And now we leave you with these encouraging words from Hebrews 12. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith.